It's done. Norwich City have a new head coach. It is Dean Smith, as we've been pretty much aware of since Friday, since the fun and games of that couple of days. Paddy Davitt is alongside me. Dave Freezer here. We thought we'd have a reflection on this morning. And Pad, it's not just this morning, really, is it? It's been a it's been a, a heck of a week ever since news dropped that Daniel Farker was was about to be sacked. Um, it, it's been pretty frantic for for us, for the fans, for the club. Um, but ultimately, it sounds like Stuart Webber, as soon as Aston Villa pulled the trigger and and got rid of Dean Smith, that the whole complexion of things changed for him. Spot on, yeah. Uh, Dean, Dean Smith's comments in the club's official uh, release today, a whirlwind seven days. That to me straight away read that. I thought, yeah, that, that's probably underselling it a little bit. Um, and let's, let's tease out that you're just about to drop a piece, which gives a lot more of that added context as well. Um, in terms of the timeline of these events, that should be on Pinkin imminently. So keep it locked to us, but obviously make sure you go and read that as well, because that is the first time there's going to be lots of detail going out there um, around what has transpired here. That yes, ultimately today, Monday morning, uh, Dean Smith and Craig Shakespeare have confirmed as a new coaching duo, head coach, assistant head coach. Um, but clearly, you know, that ball started rolling, I think, uh, Round about last Tuesday, Dave, yeah, with Stuart and uh, Neil Adams hot-footing it to Birmingham um, to make it quite clear, given he'd been sacked by Villa two days prior, that that was a game-changer for Norwich in terms of their quest to replace Daniel and Dean Smith was the man, irrespective of uh, the, what felt like the saga around Frank Lampard and, and that smokescreen. Um, yes, they talked to other candidates. Lampard was one of those, but very early. And Stuart, again, in that press release this morning, once he became available, he was our man, um, and that very much would appear to be the case. So, um, yeah, obviously we'll get into that, but keep it locked, pinkand.com, the inside track. Yeah, and we will also be following this with our usual Monday lunchtime Q&A at 1pm, but we just thought in the circumstances uh, it's worth a live video as well. So do get your, your comments and questions in. We're on Facebook, YouTube and Twitter, wherever you're watching us. We've got a great one straight away, Pad, from the main man, Daniel Farker. I will always be the greatest coach. Nodge made a mistake. Well, I'm I'm very sure that any manager would think like that. Um, interestingly, already we'll be keeping an eye on it. But I have seen a, a, a only sort of suggestions really over in Germany that um, the Schalke manager is already under heavy pressure and, and may yeah. lose his job in the weeks to come, and that Farker would be the prime candidate now. I think I'm right in saying that's roughly his neck of the woods in terms of it's West Germany. I think it's probably an hour uh, hour or two away from sort of uh, the area where he's from, sort of Lipstadt and, and Paderborn, those kind of areas. So obviously we'll keep an eye on that. That would be Bundesliga too, but Schalke is a, is a massive club. They've got, they should be in the Bundesliga. I don't, don't think it's that long ago that they were in the Champions League, were they? Um, what have we got here? Jonathan Hall says, head in hands. Um, I presume that sort of, which we'll come around to, no doubt, a bit of the the almost um, unsurety, uh, unsureness, I should say, about Dean Smith. Um, this, I feel like that's that's. Well, how have you seen that really over the weekend, Pad? That it, it felt like going into it, once all the Lampard stuff had died down, there was hopefully helped by the stuff that we've written and we've given people a lot of context and a lot of the background that 
But the same for me as well. I mean, the Graham Hunter podcast, which we embedded in a few of our stories, that particularly, I think, is worth seeking out if you haven't already, because that really gets into his background story, his roots in Birmingham, why he's an Aston Villa fan, why it meant so much to him. And that was kind of the glory days for Villa as well, wasn't it? So that's very, very revealing. We've got some stuff from that. But the more people read, the more people listened to, the more it seemed that people could see that it made sense and that he was much closer to a, a, a fit for Weber than maybe we'd thought at first. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Um, and I think for me, I mean, obviously we all know of Dean Smith and his achievements um, but from afar, and, and I certainly hadn't really drilled into his, his work as a coach and what he stands for and his philosophy and culture. Um, and yeah, you referenced that Graham Hunter piece, Connor pulled together some very revealing previous interviews where he's talked about his culture and his philosophy. And and um, we've pushed that back up the, the pecking order on pinkin.com today. So go and have a look at that. Dean Smith, in his own words, I think is the, is the headline on that. Um, and that, for me, gives a really good insight into because I think it's easy maybe to, to run away with the idea that maybe he's a bit more of an old older school operator. You know, that lazy kind of suggestion, maybe domestic coaches aren't, as hip or as, you know, embracing of new ideas and coaching techniques. But very clearly that isn't the case with him. Go and read some of those quotes. Um, and almost for me, when he's talking about, he sees his role as developing players. Well, that's take him out, put Daniel Farker around those quotes. And it's, it's the same. It's, it was the same sentiment. So I think there'll be a lot more similarities between him and Farker than, the, than there were negatives or, or differences. Um, but ultimately, Stuart Webber clearly feels that he, maybe as opposed to Daniel, has more about him to be uh, a success at Premier League level and success for Norwich, of course, in the very short term is picking up some results and hopefully staying in the division. And of course, you know, he kept Villa up. Villa came up with Norwich two years ago, was it now, um, and managed to stay up and, and pulled off quite a quite a great escape. Um, I know you might point to uh, Oivind... Um, Nyland's, uh, you know, goal that wasn't VAR decision against Sheffield United has been ultimately what kept them in the division. But you know, they were dead and buried, and he managed by hook or by crook to keep them. So he he has that on his CV that he's kept aside in the Premier League. For me, I go back to those Brentford teams that that rocked up at Carrow, sort of Alex Neal's area, you know, with Pritchard, Alex Pritchard, obviously quite prominent, and they were given the budget he was operating with at Brentford um, and the resources. You know, what he was doing there was, and obviously it caught the eye of, of Villa and and that was always going to be the pull because, that, yeah, that is a club that, that is in his veins. You know, his dad was a steward, I believe, at Villa Park and they go way back. Some some great stories around his affinity to Aston Villa. So when they came calling, it was a no-brainer, I guess. Um, but, but what he did at Brentford, you know, the style of football um, and the, the philosophy, that all comes really from what he was able to impart on the coaching field you know he's obviously a very good coach and yes okay it looks like maybe Villa have moved on to another level in terms of the expectancy and what they demand and they decided a bit like with with Norwich and Stewart that Daniel wasn't the person for them for the next phase but I don't think that necessarily means you know he's a poor coach and uh, yeah I, I think if you were on the fence with him prior to go go and read some of that content and and maybe you know take your view from people who, who know what they're talking about in the game. And they would all tell you that Dean Smith is a, a very astute coach. And and I think of all the candidates that were probably available who they could go and get, if you weigh up all the pros and cons, I think he probably would have been top of the 
the tree. And that's ultimately what Stuart Webber felt um, because it was very clear once he became available, he was the one they targeted and they ultimately was the one they brought in. So, yeah, I can understand maybe a bit of a reticence. You know, he isn't a he isn't a Frank Lampard in terms of profile. If you were in the Frank Lampard camp, he isn't a Ketchil Knutson kind of, um, as I say, you know, the, the hipster's choice, maybe somebody who's doing quite eye-catching things in, in continental Europe. But ultimately, there was question marks against those candidates and any other candidate. And, um, and I think probably with Dean Smith, there's less of those variables. So time will tell. But... You can see why they've made this appointment now increasingly if you start to drill down into Dean Smith's DNA, to use the phrase that Daniel was was trumpeting there in the final days of his tenure. Yeah, I think if we'd have been another month down the road, maybe Knutson would have been a lot stronger because he would have probably won the title. Um, they would probably still be in the Europa Conference League. So I, I don't know. It's obviously going very well for, for him. I don't not certain if they did speak to him. They, they definitely wanted to. I, I'd imagine that they probably sounded out whether he was interested rather than any any talks. Um, Lampard, we know that they did have talks of him, but as far as we understand it, it's that it was initial talks with everyone. The advanced talks were with Smith, that pretty quickly it was Smith that Weber wanted and that he'd identified as being the right man. And when you listen to Dean Smith talk, for instance, in that podcast, we've, we've mentioned Graham Hunter, he talks about culture and a lot of the sort of coaching buzzwords. It's that There's a, a lot of the language that maybe um, we've heard from Stuart Weber over the years as well. He's used to working with a sporting director, so that's a big tick, a big tick in uh, his column as well. And um, brings Craig Shakespeare with him, of course, who... Um, well, you know, he kept Leicester up with Nigel Pearson. He won the Premier League title with Claudio Ranieri. Ranieri kept them in the league. He became manager, didn't he, for, for a few months. So um, a very high profile guy. As it sounds like Smith has already had a, a meeting with senior staff, a video call last night that wasn't confirmed until this morning to start laying the groundwork. And I dare say he'll be having various, you know, Todd Cantwell, he's going to get on the phone or have a video call or whatever with Todd, isn't he? He's going to be laying a lot of the groundwork. Okay, he can't actually really get his feet on the grass at Colney, perhaps, until Wednesday. Um, he'll have his press conference and all the usual sort of things to do. But there's no doubt he'll be full steam ahead now. He's not going to be sat on his sat on his hands on the plane watching a film, is he? I'd imagine he's going to be scheming. And and equally, he lost 1-0 Southampton in his final game, didn't he? That was the one that actually did for him um, against Aston Villa. So, there's probably no one better to to approach that Southampton game at the moment. And like all Premier League teams, he's not got a lot of time to work with his players ahead of the game. Who have we got? Pookie, Aarons, Norman, they're all playing Tuesday night. They'll be the final three international players. So it's not until Thursday, just as it would have been under Farker, that you've really got your squad together to work with properly. So um, that it's interesting how he comes into it and whether you get that sort of bounce almost, that that just change in momentum and, and everything. Um, let's just get through a few of the early comments because I see there's quite a few coming in already. Stephen Pointer, great appointment, good credentials, and hopefully can keep us up. And, and as I flagged up earlier, Jonathan Hall did follow up with, uh, but we wish him and Mr S well, as in Craig Shakespeare. Um, Robert Marsh, Villa fans not happy. Smith wasn't given a chance. Our game, it seems. Yes, um, elsewhere on the Pinkin YouTube channel, you can catch the chat that I had with Damien Dugdale, who's a Villa fan, runs a long-established Villa blog, which has been going since 2004. He gave a lot of insight into that, and he 
big fan, still said he was a bit gutted that, that Smith had gone because as we've just been talking about here, those strong links at Villa, he um, he led them to the playoffs, a League Cup final, two years of survival. So as much as they are a very ambitious club with lots of money, and it should be pointed out that, okay, they've lost the last five, but they won 1-0 at Manchester United and were, I think, ninth at the time after the first six games. So they, or five games it would have been. So no, sorry, I was right the first time, sixth time, sixth game. So they had made a decent start to the season and then it's tailed off. They've had a few bad results. But yeah, it's definitely half worth having a look at that. What have we got? African Canary, Farker and Smith, very similar past last few years. Most recently, both lost best player and replaced with more pl- places, changing systems to fit them within and needing time to bed them in. Interesting. Right. Let me put that to you, Pad. Um, and I think maybe, maybe it's an obvious link, but I'd be very surprised if Todd Cantwell isn't sat there very happy at the moment. When you look at the journey of Jack Grealish from, well, it felt like he was drifting in the championship really before Dean Smith arrived. And and to, uh, Jack, sorry, has said some very, very positive things about the impact that Dean had on, on his lift to becoming the hundred million pound man ultimately yeah he's in, has he improved uh jack grillish and undeniably he did given what he's gone on to achieve um you know in terms of you know man city felt he could improve them that tells you the levels of development or improvement that dean smith oversaw at villa park um and i'll go back to my first answer that dean smith quite clearly as a coach is not driven i think there was a quote in that piece that I could win 10 games and, and still lose my job, or I could lose 10, as it turned out, five in his case, and lose his job. So he he never sees what he's doing as defined by results per se. Of course, you need to win games to stay in post, but about developing players, improving players. And if you were Todd Cantwell now, you should be um, relishing the opportunity to work with a guy who who is a confirmed admirer of Todd Cantwell. I mean, I know post-Wendia, uh, uh, it didn't actually transpire that he, that he, uh, he, Villa came for him, but Villa was certainly uh, a club who were well aware of Todd Cantwell's ability uh, and potential. And Dean Smith would have obviously been quite an intrinsic part of that if that was the view from inside Villa Park. So uh, throw another player in, Milo Rashica, um two summers ago. So not the summer that he's arrived here at, uh, from Verda this summer. 12 months ago, very, very heavily touted with Villa. There was definite interest there. Again, Dean Smith. So Dean... Dean Smith will know those two players and will have admired those two players because they were both on Villa's radar. So straight away, I think those two may find themselves coming back into the the eleven thoughts. Um, Campbell from from a very cold place uh, under Daniel Farker, but you know we'll get to speak to Dean middle middle of this week uh, for the first time and and guaranteed Campbell will be one of the topics put at him and it'll be interesting to see what he says. I mean, I, I guess he will. Without second guessing what he's going to say, you'd imagine it'll be along the lines of all of these players, whether they were in favour or not with Daniel, clean slate, blank sheet of paper, they will now get an opportunity. And if they show me what I want to see, then they will have a role to play. But I just think, yeah, if for Cantwell, he has to take this as a reset, you know, that he's got a manager now coming in, a head coach coming in, who clearly is an admirer of him. Um, and as a result, in a team who were very poor in terms of creativity and scoring goals in these first 11 Premier League games. Um, there's nobody really there. Pookie aside, I think, would, would feel that their position is secure in the, the top end of the pitch. So for Todd Cantwell now, he needs to impress as soon as possible. And if he does, I think you'll find the door to the first team will open a lot quicker than it would have done under Daniel. So um, 
but whether you know whether you build as he did with Grealish, build a team around almost a player like Cantwell. I'm not sure. I think Grealish had a bit more experience about him when when Dean Smith first worked with him, and um, maybe you could trust him a little bit more. But um, but certainly with Cantwell, you'd be amazed now if between now and and January we don't see a lot more of Todd Cantwell in a Norwich shirt, and uh, if they can get the Todd Cantwell who who was showing what he could do at Premier League level in the first part of that season, two seasons ago, then you have to think there's a player there who can add goals and assists and ultimately maybe make the difference. And Norwich have had precious little of that uh, thus far in the Premier League. You're on mute, Dave. You're on mute, mate. Um, what What's interesting about that is that if you think back to that Premier League season, Emmy and Todd were really given free reign to to bomb on, weren't they? You think about the goals that Todd scored. He was uh, getting in behind, like the Manchester City one when uh, Pookie was squaring it to him, wasn't he? And things like that. And we saw that a bit from Todd last year. When he was at Fortuna Sittard, when he was on loan, he was actually playing more as a central midfielder, wasn't he? More as sort of an eight, an attacking midfielder. So sort of the left or the right, well, I think it was the left of a midfield three. And I, if I'm remembering rightly, Farker used him there at Kings then in pre-season. And then we've not really seen it. Now, obviously, Todd isn't got. I think he's improved his pace. It's something he's worked on really hard, isn't it? Physically, Todd really sort of grew into it, his body in the last recent uh, last few years, isn't he? He's become a man, and I think he's spoken in the past about wanting to be fast. But he's not a naturally really quick player, is he? He's not an Onel Hernandez type. So I wonder whether long term he is more suited to that more central role, which is which is where Grealish really sort of uh, grew into it. Ultimately, Grealish was able to go where he wanted for Villa, wasn't he? He was the man that dictated their, their overall play. And Todd's got that ability. He's got that killer pass. And the fact that he's, you know, the hometown boy the, the who grew up um, around the club from such a young age, there's so many parallels there with, with Jack that he, sh- I think he should be excited about what this might mean for him and the chance for a fresh start. We've got the whole contract scenario in the background and everything as well, haven't we? Um, a few positive comments. Uh, Rena Bastet. Farkas Sackin was the first manager since Lambert that actually hurt to lose. Great bloke. Lots of great memories will be missed. Uh, I'm not even going to try and pronounce that username, I'm afraid. <laughs> but coming up vastly on Smith, such a common sense appointment. Plays to win as well, which is most critical to us. We have to go at teams. And a couple others I wanted to bring up. Um, Steve Gabby. Glad it's Dean Smith, not Lampard. We want a head coach, not just a name. And Valerie Rogers, pleased with the appointment, seems ob- the obvious choice that's, that's in hindsight. Yeah, that is a fantastic point because I think yeah maybe the allure of the Lampard name, uh, or as I say, the hipster's choice, the Norwegian chap, Dean Smith, because he's coming out of a situation where, from the outside, looks like he's failed. He's got the sack, same as Daniel. So. He's, he's not met the criteria in his last job. And and you think, well, you can understand why there was probably an underwhelming feeling around him. But, but I'd, I'd 100% agree with that now. Of the candidates available, take a step back, put the Villa situation in context. And um, I think he's probably the best that they could have got out there available because for the reasons we've discussed here about how he sets his teams up and his mindset, but also that experience, you cannot underestimate because Daniel didn't have that. He had no real experience of keeping a team in the Premier League. Um, neither did Lampard at the wrong end of the table. Neither did the Norwegian lad. So you've got now a guy at the helm who knows what it is required to keep a team. Now, that's not saying he will do, but 
he knows the steps to get to that end point. And, uh, you know, with a fair wind, worth reiterating again, we go into Saturday's game, you know, they're, they're in and around a clutch of teams at the bottom in terms of points. They're not cut adrift uh, and listing badly. They needed, obviously, the three points at Brentford. Uh, the picture looked a lot rosier. But this next clump of games, if, if they can get that new manager momentum going and pick a few points up, then it can look very different as we go into January and the second part of the season. You know, it isn't by any stretch a lost cause. And ultimately, Stuart Webber feels that making the change now, putting Dean Smith in charge, gives Norwich the best opportunity to keep their heads above water and stay in the Premier League. And uh, we'll obviously find out now. It's the start of a new era, essentially. I just noticed that we're coordinating, mate. We've both got some uh, sort of electric orange going on here. <laughs> I promise Each we didn't one, line that this is not where Dean is at the minute. He's in NYC, I believe, but they're, you know, rocking the uh, USA for our US listeners. I'm going to take a running jump at this username. Skiumptoes? Maybe, maybe needs some explanation. Um, but says, ski, jump, ski jump toes, isn't it? Ski jump toes, yeah. <laughs> Any word on other coaches coming in? We had four leave, including Farker, but I only see Smith and Shakespeare coming in. So, yeah, Ed Wooten remains as goalkeeper coach um, as far as we know, and we think that will remain the case. Um, a big thing, which maybe hasn't been made, a big thing hasn't been made of it, but as well as development of players, the club are very keen to have a development of coaches system in place as well. So um, we may well see some internal appointments, but of course, Smith and Shakespeare will have a lot of contacts and they will probably... Uh, you wouldn't be surprised if somebody else was to come in, but that's the sort of thing that they can get sorted out over over the next couple of weeks. The one thing I did want to put to you as well, Pat, I suppose you've hinted at it a little bit there in what you said, is that whoever came in, because whenever there's a, it's a bit like when there's a new player signing, everyone gets quite excited about it, don't they? About everyone focuses on the optimism and what could be. Nobody, um, well, not nobody, but there's not often too much sort of a, of a critical eye. It's always on. The, the good things that could happen. And that, that's obvious. That's that's going to happen. But we've got to keep a real realistic look at this one because of the position, haven't we? All right, they won the last game, but five points from, from 11 games. This group of players haven't hit their straps yet. It's only really Norman from the new players that have come in that have, have convinced so far. And he's still got work to do, obviously. So do you think that will buy Smith a little bit of leeway and a bit of time with a lot of fans? Because, you know, you can't, imprint a culture on a squad in in a matter of weeks but equally there is the pressure for, to, to to get some results and get more points on the board so is it maybe about just trying to get enough points to keep their heads above water while they try to do all that big sort of overall stuff yeah I mean ultimately he, he just needs to pare it down and it's simply putting positive results on the board and and a few of them and and then everything else really will slot into place you know you can talk about what he what he believes in as a coach and what he wants to get into his players. But, but that is a that is a much longer process. And certainly the priority is go back to the confirming Daniel's sacking that Saturday night at Brentford, this club statement, I still remember it, Stuart Webber, we now feel we need to make a ch uh, change to give ourselves the best opportunity of staying in the Premier League. That be all and end all. Forget about Norwich's way or the culture, the philosophy, whether Dean Smith buys into that or not. It's all about staying in the Premier League. Otherwise, they persist with Daniel and they go back to the Championship and they have a coach who's won that title two two seasons uh, last time he's, he's been in it. So it clearly isn't about that now. You know, Park, 
the, the whole top 26. That's that's the thing of the past. They, they ripped that up in the summer. Maybe they didn't communicate it as well as they'd like to as a club, but it is all about essentially top 17, and that means staying in the Premier League. Um, we all know the the, 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 the the difficulty of doing that as a self-funded club and, and spending essentially what, what you can generate mainly in player sales. Um, we know all that, but but it, that still doesn't detract that Norwich are now in this to try and stay in it. Um, and ultimately, they think uh, Dean Smith appointment gives them the best possible opportunity. What I like in, in some of the soundbites from, again, talking about Dean Smith as a coach is that I think he's basically said every club he's ever gone into, he knows he's not 100% the, the choice of fans or even people, all the people connected to said football club. But that wanting to prove people wrong is what actually drives him, what motivates him. And and he will be smarting from how it ended at Villa because that is his club. You know, that mm. is his club in, in the way that, you know, Daniel bled yellow and green, Dean Smith is claret and blue. So so he will be very sore at the manner that ended and probably felt that, you know, he deserved more time. Um, but I would imagine that will fuel him now to maybe prove a few people wrong. Um, and I'm sure he'll be already circling the two fixtures against Villa in in the calendar when when Norwich uh, go to Villa Park and they come to Car Road. Um, but for me, no, it's, it's very straightforward. And yes, it would help him immensely in that process to try and win people over. If there are any doubters out there who just aren't having him full stop, if he picked up a, a result or two in his next two or three games, because that will just buy him a little bit more time. Um, and also, uh, I think it will renew the belief amongst the fan base and even maybe the players that, yeah, here's a guy we can row in behind because he knows what it takes to get results in the Premier League. So he, he could really do with some positive results early. And if he gets that, then it's like breathing space. Then they, they stay in touch. They maybe get to January. They can do a little bit what they need to do in the window. Maybe he can move a player or two on who he makes a decision is not for him. And then obviously bring players in if he can, who he thinks can help Norwich over the second half of the season. I think really now, fundamentally, it's about getting a tune out of this group of players to make sure that come January, they're still in a position where they feel they've got a competitive chance of staying in the division. That's the be-all and end-all. Um, and, you know, that that's probably why, in the final analysis, Knudsen was one they, they were very keen on. But if you believe the line that came out of Norway, that he wanted to stay loyal to, to Bodo and he, and he didn't want to leave before the end of the Norwegian season, which was January, December, January, that time scale wasn't going to work for Norwich. So, um, hence why they've gone down this route. And uh, for me, it's it's very simple. Park anything to do with culture, philosophy, whether Dean Smith ticks the boxes in those areas or not. It's about him picking up results between now and Christmas. And if they do that, then, as I said earlier, it looks a very, very achievable target then because there's plenty of other clubs who haven't really ripped up any trees so far in the Premier League. Leeds, despite them coming to Car Road and winning that game recently, they, they looked a pretty average side. Newcastle, well, similar scenario for them. Can't Eddie Howe go in and, and spark that group of players? before whatever might come in January with the wealth they've got behind them. But in the here and now, you know, he's got a job on. There's there's two or three other clubs you would put in that mix as well. This isn't Norwich are already now planning for the championship. Far from it. Far from it. Welcome to the new normal. Hello, and welcome to this series of Unfinished with me, Charles Thompson. Welcome to Weird Norfolk. Welcome to this week's edition of the Pinkin.com Norwich City podcast. From true crime to football, politics to folklore, for more great podcasts from Archant, head to audioboom.com forward slash channel forward slash Archant.
Canary Lad 2K10 says, I think Dean is a great appointment. Done well at Villa. Hopefully he can make us a stable PL side. Now, Adam Potter, I've seen a lot of these ones. I'm not sure why people are quite so hung up on it, but Smith is a decent appointment and gives us the best chance of staying up. But for Weber to pretend he was first choice and a long-term target is utter nonsense. He wasn't available when Farker got sat and wouldn't have left Villa in a month for Sundays. Well, Stuart hasn't said he was the first choice. He said he was the long-term target. And my understanding is that Stuart would have liked to have appointed Smith when he was at Huddersfield, when he appointed David Wagner. But that wasn't happened. So that's how far back his interest in, in Smith goes. Um, but of, of course, it's it's all about the timing, isn't it? When they got... Well, just, yes, as we when just they said, dismissed. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, mate. As we just said, with the Norwegian scenario, you know, the timing was wrong there, but possibly the timing looks right here. Yeah. Um, once Smith became available the next day, essentially from from how we've heard it, from, from sources close to the club, is that as soon as Smith was available, the call went in from Stuart to his agent to say... Is Dean interested in getting straight back into football? Because you got, you know, you've got to give the guy a little bit of mental breathing space, if anything. I mean, he's got, got to make the decision. He's got to make the right decision as well. You know, we don't want him coming into Norwich if he's not hungry for it and not um, ready to get straight back into work. But there's a good quote, isn't there, about um, I've had four months out of football since I was what eighteen or something, and and I hated it. So he wanted to get straight back into things. So then. Um, as, as I understand it, him and, as I think you mentioned earlier, actually, Pad, him and Neil Adams met with Smith on Tuesday in Birmingham before he flew out to New York. And from there, they got the impression from him that he did want it and that he did want to be part of that process. But obviously, they'd already started talking to people and stuff. So it's a recruitment process. I mean, yes, I think when Farker was sat, we all thought at the time, yes, he must have someone lined up. Probably he did in his mind's eye at that point in time. He probably had someone that he had his sort of maybe not heart set on, but his preferred choice, um, or at least a couple. Um, but as soon as Dean Smith becomes available, that's who they've gone for. And, and as soon as we saw the Lampard fuss sort of come out via talks for, and we won't go over all that again because um, that was all a bit frustrating for fans, wasn't it? But very quickly it came out well, hang on, it's not just Lampard. The club have been really impressed by Dean Smith. And that's how it's turned out to be. So um, I guess it's about looking forward now and not getting too hung up on on that. But it, it is a process, isn't it? Um, Simon Turner, looking forward to seeing who is coming to be his team uh, working with Smith. Yeah, that's something that we'll obviously uh, be keeping an eye on. Now, you mentioned January a little bit there, Pad. Um, I'm totally talking in theory here. This Don't take this as any sort of um, in the know or anything like that. But... Do you think there's any chance that maybe they'd look at selling? You wouldn't have thought, Todd, because of what we just said, but maybe Max, you know, if if you've got your new manager, they probably haven't got loads of money. They'd be able to give him a bit of money and he might be able to, you know, work the squad a little bit, move on a few players, etc. But if he wants to spend some proper money in January, they probably would need to sell someone like Max Aarons, wouldn't they? Yeah, that's a spot on shout. I mean, prior to this all blowing up, um, when Stuart did his pre-Leeds uh, media. I don't think we ever did anything with those quotes, but I, I asked him specifically um, in that scenario, where, where were the club looking at in January in terms of what would their approach be in the window? And it was more or less, well, we've spent for us rather handsomely in the previous summer and these players will be given a time to bed it. So my take on that was Norwich wouldn't be active at all. It was going to be a very, very quiet January window. Of course, since then, Lord Hell has broken loose. There's a new man at the helm. He will definitely want some assistance in January. You can be sure those conversations will have taken place. But ultimately, I think you're right. I think the finance 
wouldn't be there to make a splash in January. And of course, we all know how difficult a window January is anyway, uh, whether you were Man United or Norwich. Um, very fewer players available who can improve squads and a much shorter period of time to actually make these deals happen. So I think if they do want to do anything, then yeah, inevitably they will have to countenance. Now, whether it would be an Aaron's or whether it would be some of the, the, the fringe players that, that Dean Smith and Shakespeare decide between now and January, they're not for us. Um, we don't really want them on the journey with us. In my head as well, the two two Premier League loan lads, Gilmore and uh, and Brandon Williams, where's where's his head at with that? I, I would imagine in the interim he'll say no, no, I want to have a look at them and and just make my mind up. But can you recycle those in terms of you know there was a lot of talk about Gilmore and a recall anyway, which would have been hundred percent happening if it if it had stayed with Farker because I think um, there'd been a major fault line in, in that relationship in terms of. Daniel trusting him to use him. So if it was a Gilmore or if it was a Williams going back, then the mechanics of Premier League loans, they could do something in that area, couldn't they, in terms of being able to bring in another Premier League loan for the second part of the season. They'll be looking at that. Ultimately, the word you always hear around Norwich's recruitment is trying to be creative. And that will be absolutely the case in January. But I think if you're Dean Smith, we know what he's going to say when we speak to him a bit later in the week. He's going to say dead back January and say, no, I, I want to give these players a chance. These players are the current group I've got to work with. So my focus is fully on these players and it's up to them now to grab their opportunity. We know that's what he's going to say. But ultimately, I'm sure at the back of his head already, he's thinking, because he'll have a, a working knowledge of the Norwich squad, I'm sure, and, and he will maybe think they're light in certain areas and maybe there's certain types of player that he would like Stuart to go and bring in. But in order to do that, yeah, I think ultimately... If they, if they were going to be very quiet in January before this all blew up, then the only reason that changes ultimately is if they can generate some funds, whether it's a Cantwell, whether it's an Aaron's. But no, I think I think you'd probably, if you could avoid offloading one of those type of players, you would do because it, it probably doesn't send the most positive of messages about, no, hang on, we got this guy in because we're desperate to stay in the division. You don't really do that by selling certainly to your better, younger players, no doubt about it. So... But you know, I'm looking at some of those, some of those maybe signings that Daniel and Stuart have brought in this summer. You know, the least Malou's of this world are they Dean Smith type players. You know, all it's all hypothetical at the minute because we haven't seen a Dean Smith Norwich team play, so we don't know where his head's at and what he thinks about these players. That'll become clear, I think, by the time we get to January, it will be in a far better position to look at it and think, well, he's not really used that player much in these intervening six weeks or so. So is it? potentially that they could offload some of these players, you know, the rups of this world, these type of characters who, who might not get a look in. But as I say, at, at this stage, who knows, because we haven't seen a Dean Smith Norwich team play yet. So really interesting to see. But ultimately, I wouldn't disagree with your premise there, DF. If they want to do anything in January, then they're going to have to be creative and they're probably going to have to sell players before they can buy. Yeah, in, in an ideal world, they put 15 points on the board between now and new, the new year, don't they? And, and Smith's got a lot easier situation and he's got a squad that he's fairly happy with and can just preen it. I think if you just look at Aaron's at the moment, I think maybe his form has been a little bit up and down. He's had some good games and some less so, so far this season in a not particularly easy situation. He's still only 21, isn't he? Um, so obviously such a high profile playing for the under 21s still the other night. What's that? 15 caps or something he's got. It feels to me a little bit Madison-esque in that it feels like he's maybe outgrown the club a little bit and that he being in a team battling relegation doesn't really suit him. And if he could get to someone like how how Godfrey did and Madison, go to someone who's a, 
mid table or pushing to be top half, then that would just suit him that bit better. And if his agent can get him the move, then maybe it would suit all parties. But yeah, again, the best situation would be that he hits form, Norwich hit form, they go and get survival, and then you can have those conversations next summer. Uh, and, and similarly with, with Todd's contract, I suppose, as well. Uh, Rich Tubby, uh, this will go well. Best CV of any Norwich manager we've hired. Point to prove, buys into the system and a, and a not sure what that word's supposed to be. <laughs> Something to the right. Well done, Stuart Webber. And this was quite funny as well. Uh, Leroy Ray, best example I've seen in Webber's defence. If you are buying a secondhand car in the current market, i.e. Lampard, then a better car comes on the market two days later with better mileage, i.e. Dean Smith after his sacking, then you're going to buy it. Fingers crossed it's onwards and upwards. And yeah, that it's the fringe players now, isn't it? You know, if you're Poheta or Ida or Gilmore or Angus Gunn or anything, he comes in, him and Shakespeare come into training and you lay down your marker, don't you? And that's got to be a good thing in the in the situation that it's kind of a clean slate for them all. They can really state their case. And some particularly maybe Adam Eder, he's kind of got into... Uh, maybe maybe a rut's a bit harsh, but he, he just seems to be sort of stuck a little bit, doesn't he? And, and it's not really getting better or worse for him. He now has got that opportunity to say, I play for Ireland. I'm leading the line for Ireland against all these teams on the international scene. Here's why. Play me in the Premier League. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that is true. But for me, um, it's his compatriot on Obama Daly. I really would hope point, that we yeah. now don't see him pulled out of the firing line and Dean Smith maybe urged towards the experience of a... Hanley or a Gibson uh, in that position. Kabak's obviously in the mix as well. I could see him maybe being a Dean Smith type of player. If I sort of look at some of the central defensive options, he, he went with a Villa Park. But it's the balance that he needs to strike because ultimately he's, he's been headhunted uh, to get Norwich winning games of football in the Premier League. You don't really do that if you stack your 11 with young players. But I just think, and he's done it again midweek, he's come back, played for, uh, sorry, at the weekend, he's come back into that Republic team. They've gone and won, albeit in Luxembourg. But Every every hurdle is put in front of that young man at the minute for club and country. He just clears it and, and it looks like he takes it in his stride and that he doesn't think he's out of his depth or he's not good enough. And I, I just hope personally, if we're picking out one of those fringe elements, that it's that man there and that he still has a leading role. Because I I think there is, there is while he might need to tip towards experience in certain parts of the team, no doubt about it, where they find themselves in the, in the table, you'd like to think he would also still show that faith, maybe not to the same mark degree as Daniel would have done, you know, where it was kind of almost, you know, I, I'm not too worried about the peripherals. If I think he's good enough, he'll play. Um, but I, I just think it would, it wouldn't send a particularly positive message if Dean Smith suddenly uh, hoiked uh, Omabama Daly or, well, I don't know, some of these other younger elements out of the lineup and just packed it with, you know, solid citizens kind of thing. But I, I don't think everything that you read and hear about him as a coach, that conservative way of coaching I don't, it doesn't seem to me to chime with with what he's all about. And as I say, all, I'm almost over going back over the Villa period to that Brentford team. That Brentford team, I know it was the championship, but that yeah. Brentford team were very progressive, very attack orientated. Everybody knew their jobs. They knew the system. And they had, within the framework of that, they had talented operators like an Alex Pritchard, for example. And, and I know that will take time for him to get that here. But he has some good material. Let's, you know, let's get it right. That that is a a squad with some very decent raw material he's got to work with. His job now is can he meld it into a, a fighting force that is both good without the ball, 
which is where Daniel kind of was trying to get to. But more importantly, and I think moving forward now, if you're going to try and win games, then you need to carry more of a threat. And for me as well, I'll throw another man in. I mean, it'd be interesting what, where, what his take is on Josh Sargent because he didn't really look like a Premier League goal scorer, let's be brutally honest. Uh, a very hard worker. Um, maybe took a bit of pressure off Pookie in certain games and occupied central defenders. But I, I personally don't think right here, right now, he's he's the man you can hang your hat on to score enough goals. But Dean Smith might have a different view and maybe get the best out of him in a slightly different form formula formation. So... I think it's really interesting now as we sort of get past the initial, okay, he's the new head coach, what this man thinks of that Norwich squad and how he's going to put into play uh, a method to, to, to start picking up results sooner rather than later. I think that's a really fascinating, you know, as we build into the Southampton game and then Wolves and Newcastle, what he actually, as a fresh pair of eyes, looking at that Norwich squad, who he thinks, yeah, maybe they've been underutilised by Daniel, but I quite like those players and they're coming with me on this journey from the start. I apologise if anyone can hear my stomach grumbling. I just realised that I haven't eaten any breakfast because we basically sat down at half past seven and just because we knew it was going to be um, confirmed nice and early. And I've basically sat at this desk and been busy ever since. So we better call it in a few minutes so we can have some lunch before the Q&A. Skiumptos is back. Um, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Uh, Smith will have a laugh with Todd. I don't think the relationship will be so defined as with Farquhar. And I think players will respond to that more playful slash relaxed nature. Yeah, he does look like somebody who can have a laugh, but then Daniel could do that as as well. I mean, he was obviously pretty positive and, 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 and nice guy, as we've spoken about plenty before, but he could be quite tough on the players. We, you know, we saw that, um, I was thinking that in the 2018-19 season with Todd and, and Max in particular, he, he really seemed to to drill into them. Um, Nick Smith, hi, do you think this will mean an end to our zonal marking? Now, I can't answer that off the top of my head. I don't, don't know about you, Pad, but I, I think zonal marking is pretty across the board in the Premier League, isn't it? With the or, a, hi- or a hybrid, yeah, or a variation thereof. Yeah, you have within a defensive set up at a corner, yeah, you probably have a little bit of zonal and a bit of man-to-man. No, I must confess, yeah, we'd have to drill down into Dean Smith, the, the tactical coach, or Craig Shakespeare, yeah. Mm. Um, it'll be interesting to find out. Um, I think they had a set-piece coach at Villa as well, didn't they? Which I don't think... I think that all was pretty much Ed Wooden's call um, as alongside being um, goalkeeper coach. Now. So we'll see how those things go. Stu, 7973. Lampard could have made an instant impact, but how long would that have lasted? Dean Smith fits our model perfectly, know his stuff and has the experience of relegation battle. Yeah, I mean, we did the video, obviously, on when was that? Thursday in amongst yeah. the haze when TalkSport literally said he was appointed, didn't they? They said it was going to happen. Um, yeah. And because Harry Redknapp, who's his uncle and stuff, works for them, um, obviously, we we went with our live video all the time saying it wasn't confirmed and we were talking theoretically. But I, I don't know without going back and checking, but I'm pretty sure before all this kicked off that I will have said, I don't think Norwich will appoint Frank Lampard. I didn't think that was the type because they wouldn't have money to spend. So I I was surprised that we ended up getting into that situation. But then as we were speaking on that day, that was kind of the lines we were talking about, wasn't it? That his sort of legend status could maybe inspire them. So maybe this is sort of uh, substance over style, perhaps. Would that be a fair comparison? <laughs> well, well, we'll never know, Dave. Yeah, I mean, it is, yeah. it is all hypotheticals now, but... I don't think I think I don't think you could dispute that if Frank Lampard was walking through the door at Colney Wednesday, any player who looked up and saw Frank Lampard coming through with, as your new head coach, you, you're going to immediately have that respect. You're going to listen 
to to what he's got to say and you're going to buy into in the short term. But that previous post is a very good one. You know, Frank Lampard, once the initial stardust had, had worn off a little bit and the allure, would he have been the man, given he's got no experience as a player or a coach, of, of scrapping at the wrong end of the Premier League to have, have kept it going beyond that initial sort of honeymoon phase? And, you know, it might have been proven that he did, that he's, he's learned lessons from his time at Chelsea and that, he, you know, he, he got good people around him if it had been him and he'd got his coaching team in place. We'll never know. It's a good debating point. But I think, yeah, there's no doubt about it. You look, you put those two men up and, you know, the glamour and, and the glitz was, was Lampard. But maybe, you know, Darren Eady's spoken to Sky today. He's called it a, a solid and a sensible appointment, Dean Smith. And I think it, it does have that feel about it. And, of course, it still might not work, but... Over the piece between now and May, I think I would have backed Dean Smith to get more points out of this group of players, plus anything that happens in January than probably Frank Lampard. Now, whether that's good enough to finish above three other clubs, time will tell. But yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't disagree with Darren on that. Safe and sensible. That's what it feels like. Okay. Um, Uncle Moore, I'll put your comment up just so you don't feel like I've censored you or something. But I, I think you've been a little bit disingenuous there. I don't think uh, we, we were just uh, assessing there was the plenty of there was pl- Trust me, there was plenty of hypotheticals in that broadcast. Plenty. Yeah. And there was a lot of um, yeah caveats being added that we must stress that hasn't been confirmed and things like that. So, you know, things change. Um, that's how it's unfolded in the end. Uh, a few more comments now. I suppose we better get going. Um, Adam Lee Wicks. He's got a difficult task ahead. Should play Gilmore and Campwell. This is what we need. Also need someone tall to help Pookie up front when crosses come into the box and from corners. Dubai Canary still think there is far more wrong with what the Premier League has become than there is with Norwich City. Sad that Farg has become a victim of his own success. Fact is Norwich can't compete in the Premier League, which is an interesting point. Um, and I think I'll have to finish on this one. We'll go back to Skiumptos. <laughs> I haven't fact-checked this, so I'm trusting you here, my man. Um, but Dean Smith beat Lampard's derby 3-0 at their place, 4-0 at home, and 2-1 in the playoff final at Wembley. I think it's safe to assume we have the better man. We shall see. And as Pad said, we will never know exactly. Um, we'll, it'll be really interesting to see where Frank Lampard turns up next. Um he clearly is an ambitious man. And as I said in that video on Thursday, I was really surprised he didn't take the England under-21 job because I thought that just put him in prime position to maybe succeed Gareth Southgate in a few years if he'd have had some successful time with them. Given, as again, as we talked about, that he did so well with developing the young players when Chelsea were under that transfer embargo, you know, your Mason Mounts and, and Rhys James and, and, and all that sort of stuff, Tammy Abraham. So... Yeah, we'll never know. Uh, who knows? Maybe Frank Lampard will be Norwich manager one day <laughs> in a few years and we'll we'll look back on all this um, with sort of a, a wry smile. But, um, Pad, thanks very much for that. I will see you um, at pinkin.com shortly for our Q&A. Please do join us. Um, if you don't, usually at 1pm every Monday, we have a, we're usually looking back on a game, of course, but we're focusing on Dean Smith and the future for today but for now thank you very much for joining us as I mentioned earlier there's also the video on the Pinkin YouTube channel where I have a chat with Villa fan Damien Dugdale to find out more about his time at their club but for now thank you very much for watching and we'll catch up with you soon